Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So as Pastor Trevor said, uh, my task today is to kick off a new series. If you haven't noticed, we're going to be talking about the book of James. And something I'm excited about with that is each week we'll be working through the book of James. And if you're nervous that I'm saying each week, don't worry, today's not James 1.1, and next week is not James 1.2. We're going to be going chapter by chapter, and each communicator is going to pick out a passage from each chapter they think is standing out to them and that God wants to speak to our church through. So as I was in preparation for this weekend, I thought God draw my eye to a particular passage that speaks to those three goals that I just mentioned and speaks to what we did at camp this past summer. Um, and just kind of is like the heart of it. And it's really cool because when you see that thing, when you see things like this happen, it's kind of like, oh, the Holy Spirit's working a little bit in this idea. So excited to share that with you guys. But before we do that, we obviously need context. Uh, Trevor makes jokes about seminary all the time and how they teach you things there. One of the first things you learn is that context matters. You can't truly understand the scripture unless you know the context of it. So we got to start there with the book of James. So James is the half younger brother of Jesus. So that's right there. That is significant in and of itself. Because we see in John 7, 5 that James's brothers didn't even believe him at first, which is super significant because like, just think about that at a practical level. How many people in the room have siblings? That's way more people than I expected. It's almost the entire room. Awesome. So you guys are going to love this analogy then. Uh, if anybody in the room in Jesus's life was able to call him a fraud and be accurate about it, it probably would have been his siblings, right? Right? How many of you guys still throw your siblings under the bus today? your daughter's hand went up first. (laughs) Uh, But it's just one of those sibling rivalry things that you do. And um, our kids are no exception to that. We have three kids, Hadley, Brooks, and Wells. Hadley, our oldest, is five. This is her right here. This is Brooks. He's turning three soon. And this is Wells. This is an older picture. We have a newer one of him. That's him. He's four months old now. Um, But Hadley has kind of already figured out these dynamics of being a sibling. And it's already figured out that she can point blame at her brother for things that he did and also thinks that she did. <laughs> so it wasn't, it was actually last week when I was uh, just getting ready for work and I was in the room getting ready. Hadley runs in and she goes, Brooksy touched the iPad. I was like, what do you mean, Brooksy touched the iPad? So I go out and I kind of investigate. I find the iPad open on the couch. 13 different apps are open. It's in deep in the settings. It's in Chinese now. Like <laughs> I have no idea what she did. I still can't use the iPad. Um, but I was like, this doesn't seem like something Brooks knows how to do. And I'm like, wait, where even is Brooks? So I start looking around and I go to the other side of the house and he's just like transfixed on this toy, just doing what he's doing. And I go, hey, Brooks, no response. Hey, Brooks, no response. Hey, Brooks. Yes, dad, did you touch the iPad? No, Hadley did that. So like they both immediately were just like gut reaction. Brooks did that, Hadley did that. And the thing is, we didn't have to teach them that, right? Did anybody have to teach their kids to blame each other? Or did it just kind of happen naturally? Yeah, it's just a sibling rivalry thing. So I have to just like put myself in the context of the story of the Bible and think like if Jesus was a fraud, James probably would have called him out for it, right? He probably would have been like, this dude is not who he says he is. And we actually have the James 1.1 pulled up. It says that James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So I think this first sentence right here is super significant. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus. If he was a fraud it probably would read something more like James, a servant of God 
and the half-brother of Jesus, the guy who stole mom's cookies. <laughs> or Jesus, or James, the half-brother of Jesus, the guy who copied my homework at rabbi school, right? If he was a fraud, James would be the one to point it out. You guys have all been called out by your siblings. You guys all call out your siblings. It's just something that happens. And then you add another layer to this dynamic with them. Mary and Joseph, his parents, knew that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, right? An angel literally appeared to them and said, this kid is going to be different. He's going to be the Messiah, and he's going to save the world. How many parents are proud of their kids in the room? Awesome. How many of you guys would be more proud if an angel came to you and told you how great he was going to be? (laughs) Right? So I have to imagine, at a minimum, maybe they weren't shouting it in the streets and running around and bragging to everybody, but at a minimum, they were at least telling their other children that Jesus was different, right? At a minimum. We all are proud of our kids. We all brag on them. I literally had two pictures of my kids today. We all do it. So I have to imagine that James being the younger brother of Jesus, that added a layer to it. And the fact that he calls him Lord is significant too. Trevor, does your brother call you Lord Trevor? (laughs) It'd be weird, right? It's not something that we usually do. So it's super significant. And the last thing I want to say about the context of the book is that it's written to one of the most broad audiences of the entire uh, book, entire Bible. Because you think about the scriptures, it's written to a specific person or a specific people group for a specific purpose in a specific time and place. And it's widely accepted that the book of James is written to a broad general audience, most likely just all of the earlier followers of Jesus. So instead of it being like super specific, like I send this guy to you to do this and then talking about that, it's if you're an early follower of Jesus, these are lessons for you. These are practical wisdom that you could apply to your life. And the same is true for us today. Pastor Dale actually says when you start reading the Bible, if you want to take it seriously, a good place to start is the book of John, because then you can learn about the life of Jesus And then you go to the book of James to learn how to live that out. So it's super practical. There's lots of quick witty wisdom in there. So if you guys wouldn't mind standing to your feet, we're going to read our teaching text for the day. We're going to be in James 1, verses 22 to 25. James 1, verses 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You guys can be seated. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you that the youth get to take over today and just show the church how we worship and how we serve and how we lead and how we follow you. Um, So I ask as we open your word together today, Lord, that you'll just open our hearts to it, Um, that we'll be open to hear what you want to say and open to hear what you want to tell us specifically that we need to change. And it's in your name we may pray. Amen. Amen. So if you're taking notes, our message title for the day is the word do. Just one word, do. And I think my wife actually pointed this out. It's a little ironic today's messages do because last week we told you guys to stop. <laughs> so I thought it was a little ironic, but we, we're going with it anyways. Uh, so like I said um, at the top, the book of James is super practical. It's all about a lived out faith. And I think about like taking action. There's just something that kind of resonates with the human experience with that, right? Everybody wants to do something. They want to do the next thing, the best thing, whatever it is. So much so that these like massive corporations have whole slogans around it. There's a few unfamiliar ones like Samsung. Samsung has a slogan that says, do what you can't. Taking action, doing something. 
Uh, Burger King, I'm sure many of us know that, have it your way. And then there's one that's a little bit more familiar, and it's from Nike. I think you guys could all say it with me. Just do it. That's right. Uh, even authors have written books around this idea. John Acuff is a like, comedian, author, funny guy. He wrote a book called Start. Uh, Kevin DeYoung is a pastor and author. He wrote a book called Just Do Something. So there's this like idea about doing something that just resonates with the human experience. None of us want to just always be passive and never do anything. We want to take action. But the thing is, usually the problem isn't starting, right? Usually the problem is following through with it. So much so that that same author at the beginning, John Acuff, wrote a follow-up book called Finish. Because he realized half the time we start stuff, we just don't finish it, right? We don't continue doing it. And it's just something about our human experience where we like to do stuff, we like to keep going, but somewhere along the line, we just stop. We often get fired up, but we don't always follow up. And we do this with all sorts of things. It's not just about reading or our faith. It's about all kinds of things. How many parents in the room are currently walking a dog that your kids said they would walk? (laughs) Right? How many are feeding that same dog? How many people have a gym membership that you've been paying for for two years and you still haven't made it out? (laughs) There's more hands on that one. Uh, I know personally growing up, I um, would always make promises I never intended to follow through if it was about something significant I wanted. There's one particular time where the new Xbox had come out. We were at GameStop, like getting something else. And I was begging to get the new Xbox. And I told my mom and stepdad that I would work every Saturday for the rest of my life until I paid off that Xbox. I think I maybe worked one Saturday because I was usually up too late Friday night playing that Xbox. <laughs> There's just something about like these, this idea of doing that we often don't follow through on because we all get fired up, but we don't always follow up. We all get fired up, but we don't often follow up. And I think our faith is no exception to that rule at all. I think that if we're real honest, we can sit in services like this. We can watch YouTube videos. We can listen to podcasts and we get ready to take on the world and like save all the nations across the entire world. But we get home, the one o'clock slate of football games is on. We kind of check into that. We get comfortable on the couch. And then all of a sudden it's 9 p.m. and you've watched every televised football game that was on today, right? And you forgot all about what you heard on Sunday morning, let alone what you were going to do about it. I also think we could do this with like super specific hobbies. Like anybody ever like deep dive on YouTube and podcasts about a very specific hobby you want to explore? We've all done that. Um, we can do that. We can do all the research and then you could have like this massive like information overload with it and then you never take action with it. It's not just about silly things or our faith. It's about everything. We all get fired up, but we don't always follow up. And James knew way back then that this was part of the human experience. He encourages us in James one twenty two to not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves, but to do what it says. James is real clear here, right? He says, do. It's where our title comes from. It comes straight from the word of God. It comes straight from that passage. James wants us to be doers, not just hearers. And I think the interesting part about that passage is that he says that it's a matter of deception. And I think it's really interesting because I think he's saying this and it's attacking a modern day lie that's kind of preached at us. And it's that information alone is enough, right? We all know that's not true. We all know we can't just gather enough information and be the perfect person in the world by just listening to all the YouTube videos and podcasts and all that. But we don't act like that all the time, if we're honest. I'd even go so far as to say information alone can trick us. And being tricked isn't often a fun thing to do, right? Sometimes tricking people is fun. Um, Me and a group of guys I lived with for three years at PBA, 
uh, we were definitely the pranksters on campus. There was days where we would like get one of those mini basketball hoops and we would like run around campus and just dunk on people. We just did all kinds of stupid stuff like that. And there was one day in particular where we had a water balloon slingshot and we were on the top floor of the Rinker dorm and we were shooting water balloons at people. A lot of you guys know where this is going already. Um, And one of our buddies was coming home. He parked his car in the parking lot directly underneath our balcony and we were just lighting him up with water balloons. And he was not happy. He rushed upstairs and we're like, okay, cool. This is going to be like a funny joke. He's going to laugh. And he just goes straight to the bathroom, starts making more water balloons. And we think he's going to join us and like, we're going to get somebody else, right? No. He immediately, once he had like a whole like stockpile of water balloons ready to go, just started attacking us in the middle of our dorm. Like civil war broke out in Rinker 505 that day. None of us are the same. I don't talk to two of them anymore. Um, It all kept going and like the room was destroyed and it didn't stop until the same dude who originally got upset, his laptop got hit by a water balloon. So it's, it's all fun and games when you're playing tricks and you're playing pranks until it tricks you and it backfires and somebody gets hurt. And I think the same thing is true about having only information, right? Having only information can trick us and it could eventually backfire. Uh, I know something I've done before and I'm sure many of you have done is YouTube how to fix some certain things on your car, right? Uh, Kevin Inkle, are you in here? Ah, oh, Kevin's not here today, dang. So, um, not too long ago, we had some issues with one of the cars we had. I was YouTubing stuff, was able to fix a few things, and I got a lot of information from YouTube. I felt like a mechanic. I got some things fixed. And then I'm actually pulling into here on a Wednesday night, and the car just stops. Power steering went out. It wasn't moving. I almost hit Zach's car parking in the parking lot. It was that bad. And I had to swallow my pride, and I had to accept the fact that YouTube did not make me a mechanic. And I had to call Kevin, who's not here today, so I'm bummed now. I had to call Kevin. So thank you, Kevin, wherever you are, uh, for fixing the car. But the thing is, is YouTube and information alone doesn't make us experts in it, right? Who's a fan of Dude Perfect in the room? Awesome. A lot of people. Uh, if you don't know who Dude Perfect is, it's this group of Christian guys who went to school at Texas A&M together, and they just start doing trick shots and filming them. And eventually, they just kind of blew up, and now they're massive. They have this like massive theme park they're building in Texas. Um, they're one of the most subscribed YouTube channels and it all started from them just doing some trick shots. But dude, perfect fans in the room. How many of you guys are trick shot experts now? Cause you watch some videos. I saw two hands. You guys are liars. <laughs> um, but the point is like watching their videos doesn't make you an expert in what they do. Any Mark Rober fans? Anybody know who Mark Rober is? Got a picture of him. He's a former NASA engineer and he uses YouTube to teach engineering and problem solving And the thing about him is he does give you a lot of information, but does watching his videos make you a NASA engineer? No. So the thing I'm seeing here is that we all kind of understand this idea that we can't just hear or gather information and then it's just you're an expert in it. We all realize you have to do something about it, right? But we don't always act like that's the case. We don't always follow through with it. And I see that as you move through the story of James in our passage that you only see that's part of the equation. In the next part of the passage, James 23 and 24 says that anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Do you guys see what he's saying here? He's saying when you miss this connection, when you only have like half of the equation and you're missing this other side of it altogether, it's just kind of silly, right? By a show of hands, and I hope there's no hands that go up, who forgets what they look like after looking in the mirror? Okay, you guys passed. Uh, It's just silly, right? 
And if you're not really connecting the dots, I rewrote it for modern language. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who takes a selfie and posts it on Instagram and then takes another one because they immediately forgot what they look like. Like, you guys see how silly this is, right? You, nobody does that. Again, show of hands. Anybody do that? Stop. You're lying. <laughs> uh, but the point is, James is trying to point out to us that there's this, like, missing connection where it's like, we see how silly this is, but we still don't do it. We just try to be hearers and not doers. And then moving on to verse 25, James says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, going back to what we were talking about earlier, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. One of the most common conversations that you hear inside of the church and outside of the church, and usually it's even arguments against God or Christianity, is the fact that God kind of defined what good and evil is, is something that's restrictive and unloving. But the reality is that's not the case. Like he did define what good and evil is, but it's not because he's trying to be unloving or restrictive. Um, We actually have this kind of preached at us. One of our great modern thinkers today, uh, Princess Elsa from Frozen, said it like this. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Want to read that one more time? No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. I cannot sing it. Miranda, where are you at? Uh, The thing is here, it's like, this is like such another modern day lie of our world. This is not what freedom actually is. This is what we think freedom is. We think freedom is being able to do and choose whatever we want without any restriction, without any limitation. But biblically speaking, that's what the Bible calls slavery. Having no limitations and just doing whatever we want gives things the ability to master us and enslave us. And that's what scripture, that quote right there is what scripture calls slavery. Biblically speaking, freedom is about placing the right limitations on you and placing the right boundaries in your life so that you can live life to the full like Jesus talked about in John 10. Boundaries weren't meant to restrict you or to make you feel like you're not loved or anything like that. Boundaries were meant to protect you. Parents, again, in the room, how many of you guys have boundaries for your kids because of, exactly, I didn't even finish the sentence and hands started going up. <laughs> like we have, I don't even know how many child locks on our doors and stuff like that. I, it takes us six minutes to get out of the house because of how many boundaries we put in our house. Uh, but the point is, like, you guys all understand it. Like, there is boundaries that are to help protect us and show us love. And there's boundaries that are there to correct things that are wrong. And I think what James is trying to get at here is that following the Bible leads to freedom. Following the Bible leads to freedom. And again, a helpful framework for this is kind of thinking about it as, like, how things are made. So you think of anything that's made in the world. You can YouTube video search. You can Google search, whatever that thing is. And you could learn a lot about it. Go back to the car example. I learned a lot about that car. I will never know more about that car than the person who designed it and made it. I will never be able to fix that car better than the person who designed or made it. Or in this case, Kevin, who's not here. <laughs> uh, the point is, when you think about how things are designed, there is like a specific way it is made. And in that lane that it is made is the way that it best operates, right? And when things get broken, sometimes there's boundaries that are put in place to help course correct in a sense. So I think if you look at the word of God and you think of it in those two lenses, there's laws that are there just because that's the way the world was made. God designed everything. He spoke it all into existence. So some of the laws he gives us is because he made it to work that way. And then you look at the other side of it and there's brokenness in the world. There's hurt, there's darkness, 
There's sin. So some of the laws are to help correct where we have gone wrong and where we stray away. And I think a great example of this is Hot Wheels. I was supposed to bring one, but I could not find one this morning. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, is Hot Wheels. So you think about a Hot Wheel. I could roll it across the stage. I could roll it on the floor. I could put it on the carpet. It'll work, generally speaking, right? But certain places you put it, it won't work as well as others. And then you take a Hot Wheels track where it was designed to be used. You get all kinds of new potential with it, right? The Hot Wheel tracks have these big loops, and all you have to do is push the Hot Wheel hard enough, and it'll go through the loop perfectly. You can't do that if it's off the track, right? You can't do that if it's off the track. And I think that's what God is getting at here, and it's what James is trying to point our minds back to, is that the perfect law gives us freedom. And when we're operating in the perfect law, we are going to be living that John 10.10 life that Jesus talked about. We're going to be living life to the full and abundant life, not just being restricted and put into a box like we often feel like. And I think the thing that's really challenging here is it's, it's easy to just hear the word of God, right? It's easy to just sit here and hear. It's easy to sit here and hear and then put into practice when there's no resistance to it or no opposition. I think it gets hard when what you want to do and what the word of God says doesn't line up. And I think it goes back to that perspective change. It's not going to be easy and like you're just said, done deal just because you have the right perspective. It's never that easy. But having the right perspectives gives you the ability to make pre-decisions. And having the ability to make pre-decisions means you get to decide beforehand how once you get into this position, you're going to act, right? I had a pastor I worked for um, a couple of years ago who always used to say that we were going to operate at a predetermined grace, meaning like we're all humans. It's conflict's going to happen. So we pre-decide to give grace no matter what happens and assume the best and fill the gaps with trust and all the things that go with that. And I think if we pre-decide that if we come to the word of God and that we look at it from the mindset of like God designed the world, he knows how it operates best and the things that we might not necessarily agree with are to help course correct where we have gone wrong, where we have strayed. I think if we have that perspective and we think through those lenses that we will then in turn be able to do better. And we will look at the word of God as something that brings freedom, not enslavement. So if you guys would mind closing your eyes for me a second, we're going to do a little imagination practice for us. So as your eyes are closed, picture what your life would look like if you didn't only hear, but you also did what the word of God said. What would your family look like? What would your place of employment look like? What would our church look like? What would our city look like? What would the 561 look like if we all were hearers and doers because we chose to place our trust in God and chose to believe that his word is about freedom and not slavery? I think our world would be filled with a lot more light than darkness, a lot more hope. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you that we could turn to your word thousands of years later and it still holds true. Thank you that you are faithful and that you are present. Father, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we close out today, um, just want to give you guys a challenge to just not be hearers, but be doers. Not just be hearers, be doers too. So let's pray. Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you that we could kind of put that in practice in a sense today, Lord, by taking up your table with communion and remembering you. So Father, I ask that as we go, you will give us the strength, you will give us the reminders, 
and you'll give us the power to put your word into practice and do like James encourages us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And you guys are dismissed.